0: Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Amy Regatta, Senior Director and Analytics Product Manager at Swiss Marketplace Group, or SMG. We discussed some key learnings from SMG's early data mesh journey. So, some of the key takeaways or thoughts from Amy's point of view. Number one, when signing up to do data mesh, you won't exactly know what you are signing up for. It will be different than your expectations in a number of ways. So be prepared to be flexible. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. Have patience. You don't need to get it perfect on day one. Number two, it's crucial to have a data product owner, someone who can ask the uncomfortable questions and make sure you are actually treating your data as a product. It's easy to get lost in focusing on the technical, but that's not what drives the business value. Number three, look to start with a reasonable scope use case instead of a massive challenge. Make it so the teams can learn and iterate because you aren't solving the hardest challenges yet. Number four, consider starting with a single domain and with a key consumer being that same producing domain. As that domain learns more about owning data and they see value from owning their own data, they will be better able to serve other teams too once they've got those capabilities. Number five, spend the necessary time ideating and brainstorming before beginning your data mesh journey. You want everyone to be working together so a clear initial vision, at least for the first steps, is key. But keep updating your prioritizations as you learn more. Number six, data mesh requires major changes for organizations. Not a surprise there, right? But people aren't good with very abrupt changes, so look for the incremental changes where viable. It's okay to take a bit longer in your data mesh journey if you maintain people's happiness instead of trying to rush to the finish and burn everyone out. Number seven, domains need help getting to data capable, you know, being able to own their own data. You can't just shove ownership on them, you have to onboard them, help them understand how to work with data. You will definitely need to babysit them as they learn, and that's expected and okay, right? Number eight, you will probably communicate more than you expect, even though everyone tells you to expect to communicate a whole lot. Pair well with the people you're working with and make sure people understand what is to be done and why it's crucial. Why are we doing this? Number nine, it might be hard at first, but a central data team should be focused specifically on enabling da- domains to own their data. There might be some desire for the central team to do some of the work for them, but then you end up with central data ownership again, and that's what we're trying to avoid with Data Mesh. Number 10, data contracts are relatively easy to understand conceptually and give us. A scope to what data owners must adhere to, instead of something like "give me high-quality data," and the data owners can set boundaries, you know, or SLAs, uh, or push back on requirements more easily if they're more explicitly documented. Number eleven: When working with a domain, make sure they understand the reason you are asking them to take on new types of work. What's the outcome, right? Show them what happens when they break a data contract so they can understand that they have downstream impact and build a good relationship so you can use them as an internal success story too once you get them to that that level. Number 12, make schema contract validation before actually deploying those changes as simple as possible so software engineers can check if changes will break data contracts. If yes, and the change is necessary, then set a versioning strategy for that data product. Number 13, if you set teams up to understand the why of data mesh first, then what changes for them? It leads to a much easier conversation. Talk about what is the current state and why that's not where you want to be. Number 14, leverage your first movers to be your advocates. Once you have one success story, pair with them to bring other people on board, you know, kind of saying the the water is fine, jump on in. Number 15, if a producing domain or stakeholders in the domain is, is hesitant to engage on something like data mesh, work with them to show some initial value. Once they see it has a benefit and isn't some monumental task and that you are there to help, they will be much more willing to participate. And number 16, finally, look to cross bridges when you come to them. Obviously plan ahead, but don't get too wrapped up in what might happen. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Okay, very, very excited for today's episode. I've got Amy Regada here, who is the Senior Data and Analytics Product Manager at Swiss Marketplace Group. We're going to be talking about a few different things. So uh, Swiss Marketplace Group, or SMG, uh, they're a company that had kind of talked somewhat publicly about being in the pre-work stage as to data bash. So we're going to talk about how there is um, some things about what do, what work do you need to do before you really get going, right? What What is the necessary work and pre-work so that we can actually, um, once we start our journey, it's not that, okay, we're now started and okay, how do we actually move forward? You know, like setting yourself up for that success. Um, why they chose to start off with uh, one single domain, I know this is a question a lot of folks have as to how many da- domains, how many data products, all that at the early stages that we should do. And then, kind of, what they're trying to do to implement data contracts and and things like that right now. Um, you know, what are those sensible defaults? Are consumers really ready to have like those conversations around what should be the SLAs for a data contract? And then, some of the challenges uh, they're seeing. How. Some of the, the backend technical debt is, is makes it more challenging to, to move forward with data mesh and kind of an honest conversation around that. So very excited to jump into that. But, but before we do, Amy, if you don't mind, if you could give folks a bit of an introduc- introduction to yourself and then we can jump into the conversation at hand.
1: Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Scott, for having me here. Uh, it's quite interesting to be part of these uh, podcasts that you have. I have heard some of the episodes and they're quite interesting, uh, more because we are in this journey, you know, in SMG. So we are looking for a lot of real practical um, examples and not just these theoretical parts that you can find anywhere at Google, right? Or, or in Google. Um, my name is Amy, as you said. I'm a senior data and analytics product manager at SMG. Um, I've been working there for around 10 months and a half, but my ba- background is in data engineering uh, as a test analyst, data quality engineering. So I've been in data for around six years and also some uh, background in uh, software engineering. And uh, the last 10 months, I've been working for SMG, maybe the last six in the data mesh topic. Um, and as you said, it's it's been quite of a ride because then you start, but you really don't know where, right? So that's why we're here, I guess, to talk
0: about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and I think it's one of those things where people are looking for an exact blueprint. And I think it is different for each organization, but exactly, I think hearing more and more people's stories and saying, okay, let's look for the patterns, what's working, what's not. And, and, um, that it's okay that some people are on the sidelines, but I, I, I appreciate people like yourself that are pioneering out there that are going out there and trying things and then talking about them. Because if we can be open and not be like, Oh, you have to get everything perfect up front. Like it's just, it's not uh, great. So I, I think that that does transition well into that conversation about, um, how much pre-work you were doing, how much you think, other people, like what? What did you learn about how much pre work you did before you actually started on on your journey? And what is kind of pre work and planning? And what does that actually look like? Right? You know, because it, it, it's not like necessarily a switch you flip where you go, "We are now on our data mesh journey." But you know, there is the okay, we've planned out enough. Like, let's let's go ahead and start moving forward. So, I would love to hear kind of your perspective on on that um, and, and like. What were you doing to get yourself ready to make sure that this wasn't going to be just kind of one initial shove with no momentum behind it, but like what what planning and, and pre-work were you doing and how do you think others should look at that as well, like getting it perfect up front versus leaving room for that iteration and fast feedback?
1: Sure. Um, well, actually, I had an experience with data mesh, not implementing it, but working on this kind of setup. Uh, pseudo Data Mesh, let's say that way. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, in one of the companies that I worked before, and uh, when I was doing the interviews to start in this company, they mentioned that they have like different uh, business units and they wanted to unify them or something like that. So I brought the topic in my interview about the Data Mesh, and at that moment, the the person that was interviewing me, uh, she was not uh, really familiar with the topic. But then, while well, I started to work with them and they asked me if I wanted to participate because they really got into it reading and they found that might be suitable for the company. So if I wanted to be part of this implementation, so I said, why not, right? It's, it's a challenge and I'm up for it. I didn't know what I was actually accepting <laughs> because <laughs> it, it's been quite of a ride, I will say, because um, we had uh, first uh, I team up with the head of data engineering of my team, and we started to kind of draft ideas on what kind of, um, you know, topics we could uh, take for the data mesh or domains or where do we start. And only that brainstorming with different things that we brought to the table and we were meeting every week to bring ideas and stuff like that was around two, three months, I will say, without no real norm or knowing where we're going, <laughs> to be honest. Um after some uh, time, well, we we knew that we needed to put in place a lot of infrastructure because we were migrating from on premises, um, all this kind of Microsoft uh, SQL Server tabular model and this kind of all setup to the cloud. And we hire a new architect, and that helped us a lot because uh, first we started to to have uh, these small workshops between the data director, we have the architect, data engineering, and product as well. Uh, to understand um, what was the, the, the things that we would like to do and how we will start. So for the data director, um, he thought that maybe we have two domains that we could start because, you know, people, people is not used to abrupt changes, so they don't want to adopt something very quickly without really knowing what's going to happen or if it's going to be more work for them. And of course, it's going to be more work for them because the way the data products are being developed right now is just like, I just contact maybe the product owner, maybe a data engineer, I need a dashboard, I need this, and that's all. And then you get a lot of bad data quality from the sources. And then, of course, the data team gets played, which is usual, right? So we have to implement all these data contracts, talk to the back end, uh, try to convince the product people but from the software engineering side that this is the right way. So basically what we did was um, we had a, a two days workshop all together and we first discussed what kind of architecture we needed, um, what are the suitable domains that we can migrate because also the backend in our company is um, having right now a transition from a monolith to microservices. So it kind of makes sense, you know, taking the domains for these uh, microservices that are being created one by one. And that was how we find out the best way to kind of choose a domain. So now, for example, um, well, during these workshops, actually, we actually uh, decided what we're going to do. For example, what kind of data products are we going to offer? Like, for example, created data sets, APIs, dashboards, uh, machine learning, data set trainings, these kind of things. Um, and then how we as a data platform team, we have to detach of this and just give it to a single team that will have a backend engineer, a data engineer, um, let's say BI developer, data analyst, depending on the data product you're going to have, and how we can uh, just enable them to use this data domain. So we are participating in the first domain, like, technically and also in the product side, onboarding all these people, onboarding all these uh, product managers that not necessarily had worked with data before to give them this kind of training in how they can enable enable themselves with the domain. So um, right now, basically, um, well, we, we decided also to add, um, like, to to do the data contracts, but we can talk maybe later more about that. Some kind um, of, uh, you know, with the schema, we're going to have some uh, GitHub alerts and we we will stop, you know, the changes in the schema to avoid problems uh, when we have the pipelines running or stuff like that. Uh, We implemented all the cloud governance, uh, the landing zone. We are using Dataplex uh, of Google and BigQuery Omni as well to connect to the different... um, Business units that we would like to connect at some point, um, automated schema tests, for example, as well to uh, enable all these data quality part that it was a big problem for us, and uh, of course designate the data owners and also the technical uh, data owners because we decided to have a business data owner and a technical one, so we can have someone on top, you know, some kind of a manager or a lead that is like the business owner and then the technical person who will be able to really understand the data so they can actually make decisions and and work before. And then we have, of course, the data product canvas and the data contracts part of the data mesh framework to make it happen. So we were sketching things on the board, taking pictures, having discussions, uh, talking about how we're going to implement data contract. and basically it was two days the whole day. Uh, But it was very... Very productive, I will say, because that kind of helped us to choose uh, what was the domain that we were uh, going to start. And basically, we started with this domain uh, maybe a month ago or so.
0: And and when you're looking at... So one thing that has been an interesting conversation, especially when choosing your first domain and all of that, has been that... um, your software domains don't necessarily line up with your data domains. Did you look for a place where the software and the data domain kind of were essentially the same? Or are you starting when you're thinking about your domains that you're going to start with kind of where the bounded contexts are around software and that you're going to use that for your data domain and that um, as you learn more, you're going to evolve it because you are moving from monolith to microservices and kind of splitting out the the teams that way. So like, there, it's just been a blocker for a lot of people that they, they try to think that, you know, you, we have to get it perfect again, like, what were you looking for when choosing that first domain? Was it willingness? Was it capability? Was it like value or what What was kind of the the deciding criteria that this was the one that you were going to move forward with? And, and how do you think about that versus your software boundaries?
1: Um, at the very beginning, to be honest, we chose sales because there is a huge issue with the CRM system that we're currently using. And they are also going to migrate from... Um, 365, uh, Microsoft, you know, this uh, this uh, CRM to Salesforce. And we thought, okay, is the best moment to help them with data quality, to bring the data and all these kind of things. However, uh, this migration is going to take very long and we kind of have to throw away the idea we have and see what other things are coming uh, on the table. So we have also a monetization team, uh, which is a huge project that is being migrated to the cloud right now. So it was kind of a good moment to pick them up as well. Although the microservices for them will be, won't be ready anytime soon. But then actually, we have this uh, domain for leads, and leads is impacting several things because we are an e commerce company, right? So that's uh, something very important for us, and it's impacting three data products. So basically, there are uh, one um, non-financial KPI uh, dashboard for the executive level, which is quite important. Then uh, we have one that is shown to our dealers um, based on this data, and then um, we have another one that is for the salespeople. So those three are very important products, and based uh, on based on the situation that the first uh, microservices to be created will be leads and it's already impacting uh, data products, we thought, okay, this is the one we're going to grab at the moment. There might be, of course, uh, moments where these uh, microservices are not going to impact any data product or we won't uh, need it at all. And then we will need to reassess what will be next. But um, I think basically it's just uh, um, it's communication. Communication with the backend team to understand what's the roadmap, what are they doing next, and then, of course, mapping all this uh, data that is coming from all from this operational database in the past and see how it's impacting now these uh, APIs or these microservices that are being created uh, with the new architecture. So... Um, we have constant communication with the engineering manager from the back end part and uh, with the engineer. So we have uh, meetings with uh, them, the director mostly. And now they have already kind of a roadmap on what they would like to do next. So we can kind of uh, grab from there, you know, whatever is related to the data topics in our site.
0: So it sounds like um, if I were to extract from that, the reason you chose sales was kind of opportunity because there was already change happening. So you could kind of coordinate with them and you could do some, some things around that, but also that, um, there was a a business need, right. Were, were those kind of the, the two things that you would say, uh, or your two biggest reasons for picking sales versus another, was it just that there was kind of that opportunity and, and they were, they knew that things needed to change anyway. So you're helping them change and drive more value quicker, or like wh- why? Why specifically did you choose sales?
1: Sales at the beginning, it was because of the CRM, as I mentioned, and the data quality they get is quite bad, um, and all and is coming from this uh, CRM system from Microsoft Dynamics. But they are migrating to Salesforce, and we saw the opportunity to improve the data quality, the workflow, and the processes because we're also as a data team participating in providing them uh, with use cases of failure in the current system so they can improve it. Um, so we said, okay, sales seems like a good thing. It's very important. Uh, we have a lot of people working on it, and we can make an impact there, you know, like a huge impact and have visibility. But when we had this small uh, branch of leads coming out with this uh, re- uh, replatforming of the system, we said, okay, maybe we should start smaller, but because it's, it's, it's I mean, it's leads. It, it's, no, it's no brainer, you know, they, they need to bring the data and it's pretty much uh, pretty simple, but these leads actually impact already three data products that are very important. So it's kind of equally important in a smaller scale where we can actually, you know, uh, onboard the people easily because there will be already a backing engineer interested that his um, new microservices well-tested that everything works well and then we get real good data so we can do our thing and then we are not bothering them every time that something breaks, right? So I think it, it was a willingness because when I had the first kickoff meeting uh, with the backend engineer and the product manager from their side, um, they already had in mind, without talking to us, well, I think actually my boss uh, had some way somehow uh, to do with it because he was uh, uh, selling our data contract idea And he came already. I would like a data contract because I think it's important that we take care of each other and we cover, you know, ourselves and make sure that we don't have all these data issues that we had in the past. So the acceptance uh, from this team is being quite good, although it requires a lot of onboarding, right, because they are not data people. They are not used to these kind of things or topics. They uh, feel weird out a little bit of writing Um, all these product canvas and all this information. So you have to guide them through and explain them how it works and also how we can set up the data contract. The architect already set up all the infrastructure for the data contract. We just need their input to get uh, the JSON schemas and see what we are going to actually, you know, upload into the cloud, uh, ingest into the cloud. And uh, pretty much, you know, that's how we decided to go for an easier version, smaller, but with very good impact and visibility for us because if this one goes well, we will have more uh, domains that will like to join the same boat because they will also have data products where that are currently pretty bad, you know, in pretty bad shape because of the data quality. And they will see, okay, I want to have whatever leads have. I would like to have the same data quality. Why they can, I can't. So that's kind of the mentality we have.
0: And, Um, so you were talking about the the phrase data products, but it sounds like, you know, that's not necessarily the data quantum from data mesh that because you were talking about, you know, having APIs and having dashboards and things like that. Um, so, you know, this is, you are absolutely not the only one where, um, that phrasing means a lot of different things, which is why, you know, I tell people kind of, when it's specific to data mesh to say like a mesh data product, or, you know, I, I used to talk about a data quark versus a data Gabby. So my dog Gabby is a big, scary monster. So it's this big, scary, you know, big definition is a data Gabby versus a quark is a very specific thing in like physics and, and chemistry. So, um, but like when you are starting to think about with data mesh with what you're trying to build and you know the data quantum aspect um are you looking at it as the api or are you looking at it as the ownership extends to the dashboard or are you looking at it as to like how do you think about um what ownership kind of actually means and what does a data product mean you know i i try not to pin anybody down and say give me your definition of data product because it's like totally different for each audience Right. It it really is. You're talking to a line of business owner and they're like, what is a data product? And you start to talk about your input port or your output port and they're just eyes are going to glaze over versus, you know, of somebody that's very technical. So I would love to hear kind of what your thoughts are around how far your ownership is extending and what you're actually looking at as as kind of what is a data product in the data mesh sense.
1: Yeah, for us, um, for example, now we are trying to be the enablers of this only, right? Because each team, each domain will own their own pipelines, uh, will own all these uh, data contract, all these uh, stuff that they are having uh, there, the dashboard or curated data set or name it, you know, whatever. So they are the owner, this this small team, this domain team will own everything what we own as a data platform team is the infrastructure. But we even are providing them the uh, the possibility when someone new joins to the team, they can add access to the project, they can do all the governance by themselves and all these kind of things. We're just setting up the ground for them to be independent. Right now, it needs a lot of babysitting, of course, because people need to get familiar with the concept and how it works. But the idea will be to enable them that when when new uh, data domains come, they can start by their own, and I know this will take maybe one or two domains or three domains for the people to really you know switch the mindset. But the data platform team just wants to be the 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 one that take care of the infrastructure as such, and that in each of the domains will be taking care of their own pipelines, data products, uh, contracts, and whatever you know that works with them.
0: And so a lot of what I'm getting here as well is that you you chose one domain. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but w- what I'm understanding is you chose one domain so that you could have somebody that you were kind of close to and were getting the feedback and that you were like, hey, this domain can use their own data versus, hey, this other domain needs to use your data, so you now need to improve your quality. You're going in and saying hey, yes, domain, you're going to be bought in because <laughs> this is something that's beneficial to you and, and we're learning. A lot of what you were talking about as well is um, one problem I see with a lot of folks around ownership is they go, domain, you now own this stuff versus you kept saying, we're working with them so they can own it, right? It's not a, a switch that you flip where all of a sudden you go, "We're now doing data mesh, therefore domains. You own your data, therefore you must do these fifteen things." And blah. Versus like, "Hey, we're going to partner with you." So when you've when you've looked at that kind of concept, is there anything that you would say that you you think other people should know? from that, that you think that you're doing really well, or some missteps that maybe where you tried to go too fast, or you tried to go in a direction that wasn't the the exact right way, so that other people don't kind of go down, you know, uh, alleys that they shouldn't and things like that. But we'd just love to hear kind of as you're starting out working with that first domain, like, what what are your thoughts there as to what's what's maybe working well, and maybe what you would look, I know, it's still pretty early, but what you would look to, to kind of, uh, tell people that this is maybe not the <laughs> the way to go. We had to, to adjust rather quickly.
1: Yeah, um, as I said, I think we are trying to really support them um, to understand the whole logic behind the data mesh because, I mean, um, they are a business unit and for the automotive marketplace that we have, And they might feel like we are invading, you know, the old ways of working, and we are trying to avoid that. So we have to be careful the way we approach it and just suggesting things. For example, this domain one is, the let's say, the pilot, right? And when we finish with this one, which some of my data engineers and the architect is working with me, plus uh, the back end of the automotive team and a new data engineer that got hired for this domain, um. The idea will be to use this use case as a demo. Why? Because if we have this demo, uh, we can actually show them um, the success case, you know, like how we implemented the data contract. Uh, Let's try to do uh, a schema change. And you can see how it's going to blow, you know, before, you know, it's going to be actually damage control before it blows in the pipeline, right? Um, And then the idea will be that this domain um, we'll be able to provide these data as well to the other uh, domains that will be created from time to time. I think we, we are also doing well trying to set up best practices, like uh, we are also worrying a lot about uh, data governance, so we are implementing ATLAN as a data catalog, for example, because now we do metrics documentation, our team bring bring that as well to the table, but we want to take it to a next level with a tool that is going to be uh, across all the company, and um, also, I think that we are documenting everything very well, providing um, some kind of trainings to the people who is involved. But in the future, we would like to do, you know, larger trainer, trainings for the other domains in larger scales so people get more. So, for example, now I'm organizing uh, like a, a data conference for the people of SMG uh, where we can actually showcase this demo with the use case and also to explain what's the data mesh, what it's all about, so we get more people on board because some business units are interested in the data contract, but they really don't know how to start. And we would like to be this enablement team who can provide them all the training so they can you know, start walking instead of crawling.
0: So, I mean, you've you've kind of woven in data contracts a lot, and this is a big topic a lot of people are very interested in. So let's, let's kind of, move into a lot about that. Because, you know, when you think about, I mean, internally to a domain, they may not be as worried about their own internal contract, because it's the domain It's saying, Oh, I now have to uh, commit to this myself. But it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is using the contract to ensure understandability, trustability of, of the quality, right? Because Uh, exactly what you were talking about the challenge with quality yes it's that you have to clean it up but it's also that even if you find something that is high quality you don't trust it and then you spend a bunch of work trying to make sure that you can trust it or or you're acting on bad data so let's talk about where you started with with Data contracts. It sounds like you're you're starting um, somewhat with the schema side, and that you're creating. When you were talking about like GitHub alerts and stuff, are you doing things where it's part of the pull process where it says, "Hey, you're messing with this column. You're doing this thing that's going to mess with this with X downstream," or are you kind of even putting blockers as they're doing like CI CD as they're trying to do kind of a pull request and you know even in their their branch testing that you're providing the testing capability to them, or, you know, let's, let's get a little bit specific around what are you doing at the start with data contracts? Then we can talk about where the long-term vision is, but like, what have you found? What have you found is is a good place to start and, and where have you found challenges? Is it just getting people to understand what a schema contract is or why it matters or like uh, divorcing the, um, the uh, changes in your operational system versus your analytical data that you're sharing or like what what where have you started? what's been working and and where are some challenges that you've run into?
1: yeah, um first of all, like we um of course, as I mentioned before, uh, everything came because you know I started to read a lot well well i what I got um, uh, uh, this project on my hands. So I also got a lot of information about the data contracts and knowing the problems that we were having of having, uh, you know, of getting all these uh, trashy crappy data um, pretty much from the CRM systems or from the operational database or mostly from the CRM, you know, people inserting data manually or stuff like that, that makes no sense at all. And then all the cleanup and all that might not be always uh, possible a hundred percent from the data engineering side. Right? Um we thought that well, I brought the idea, and the architect was super onboard with it. So basically, the way that he designed this um, for this domain, they are we are going to use up to do uh, the ingestion, and the, basically the schema validation is going to happen, of course, with uh, ci So every time there is a pull request, and if something in the schema has changed, it's gonna bring like this alert, so the data engineer can actually check. You know, okay. What change here? Where is exactly, uh, you know, impacting or where my data set is going to impact this? And then if something happened, then we can always go back to the, of course, the back end is going to get also some alert, but then they can talk together. Okay, look, yes, I need to delete. I don't know. I need to drop this column because this and this and that. And then we are going to have this versioning of data products, for example. Okay, now we need to change, let's say, this dashboard, where we have to keep it alive for the next three weeks until we have a BI developer who works on the next changes that are coming. Uh, so that will be the idea uh, to have right now. The infrastructure is in place. We haven't tested yet because we are implementing right now, but that's uh, the idea to have a versioning for the different ba- data products um, and to have, <clears throat> sorry, this is schema validation um, in place. So when they run all these tests, uh, we can already see where exactly it failed, which field or which column or what happened. And then the the data engineer and the backend engineer can have a conversation and a good understanding and see what are the next steps.
0: One thing that, um, so Abe Gong, when he was on, who's the creator of Great Expectations uh, or co-creator, he was talking about one thing that, um, you know, the developers when they make changes, they may refactor. So your schema may still be valid, but your actual data is no longer valid because you have refactored, right? And so you go from, okay, we're doing um, time in seconds to time in minutes. And so, you know, uh, okay, this thing took, uh, you know, 360 seconds versus six minutes. And so, um How are you thinking about even just communicating that? Right, like when people are doing testing, should it be that there is somebody that gets alerted that says, "Hey, we're we're changing this column, even if we're just refactoring it"? Or are you telling domains you can't refactor columns? Or like how you know the developers you're saying you can't refactor columns because it can break everything without anybody knowing? And like it's it's a problem that I haven't heard anybody giving me a good solution to. So I'm not asking you to fix the world, but like, how are you thinking about that? You can still have a valid schema, but invalid data and that things have changed. So like, is that something that you're not tackling up front? Cause it's just too, too big of a challenge and you're going to get there later. Or like, how are you starting to think about that challenge?
1: Uh, We are implementing DBT tests already uh, as another layer of tests right now. So basically, uh, the idea is we have, of course, this data contract and this schema validation and all good. But, you know, testing never ends, right? You need to make sure that anyway, this data is okay. So currently we have uh, testings on DBT. Uh, Testing, for example, I don't know, ranges, uh, testing schema as well, testing some other stuff so we can catch most of the stuff. And they get regular maintenance uh, by our BI developers uh, to understand because um, we are also monitoring and we are also implementing some monitoring on uh, just to see, for example, like in great expectations that you have the opportunity to see, you know, how it changed over time your data. Um, So we are uh, having basically this plan as well for this domain because we already do it with some of our internal projects.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that observability and and even, you know, when obviously of Asylum was on um, way back in episode nine, we were talking a little bit about the con- the concept of concept drift, right? Of, of semantic drift and things like that, where that's not something that any tooling can really, really change. It's just, it's, or, or it can really detect because it's like, Oh, the concept that you are discussing is no longer the case. But um, so you know, data contracts—it's a very, very big discussion point. It sounds like what what you're looking to do is is lower the burden on the developers. Are you are you doing that before they commit, right? It sounds like you're doing kind of test-driven development which hasn't been something that data has really done. It's been that there's been a change and it's like, "Oh, it broke everything. Let's let's fix it." It sounds like you're doing kind of that test-driven development aspect and that you're you're giving people I've I've talked about developers can't have empathy for data consumers in a lot of cases because they can't understand what their upstream changes are going to impact downstream. So like, are you giving them the visibility into that? Or are you just saying this violates this thing? So then let's have a conversation or like, are are you trying to do that in a stepwise function of like, Hey, first we'll give them some tooling that says, no, don't do this. And someone will come talk to you. And then, you know, later then they are going to get it to a place where they understand why they shouldn't do it. And, but we can't get in the way of them making their changes and things like that. Like, how are you thinking about those those challenges and, and when to start tackling them? Because, you know, you can't just all of a sudden say, you now have these 87 things that you also have to do in addition to you own your data and that means all of it. So like just, just trying to figure out. Yeah,
1: I mean, people can get a little bit overwhelmed, but I think for, at least for this domain where starting people is so eager and so looking forward to start something like this because they know the pain, uh, some way, somehow, not in the data perspective, but they know the pain because then people comes back to them, you know, also. So they want to avoid that as well. Um, and the idea of this of having this domain team is because you already have a dedicated backend in this team. You already have a data engineer. You have your uh, data, well, your product manager and you have your, let's say, BI developer, data analyst, whatever, right? So the idea, this team, the product manager has visibility of all the tickets here you're using, everything you're implementing, and will be able to understand, you know, what changes might impact. And the idea will be when they are planning and doing, okay, now we're going to implement this change. Hey, in the uh, planning session or whatever, is this something that is going to impact data some way, somehow? Are you going to make some changes? what is going to happen with the schema um, i don't know some extra fields that we need to add what is going to happen so that's the idea of have this um, you know crossover type of domain team where you have people from everywhere and you concentrate just in this small stream at the beginning of course you cannot you don't have that much budget to have uh, you know one team like that for each domain and a lot of them might be cross functional but that it's the main idea that you can communicate with your a small domain team every time that you're gonna make a change during the planning sessions, and then basically come up, you know, with the um, already if there is something that might break my thing, then I will just start making changes from the data engineering per- perspective, so nothing will break.
0: It it sounds like if I if I'm you know reflecting this back, let me know if this is correct. But it sounds like because the domain is the first consumer of their own data that you're not looking to do use cases across a bunch of domains just yet that the domains better know, like they, they understand better that, that, Hey, this is going to break our things because they understand how things are being consumed a lot better. And so it's almost like you're getting them on training wheels that you're getting them to a place where they're bit, at least able to understand what owning data for themselves can look like, and that once you they own data for themselves, then you're going to start to bring in other folks around that, and there's going to bring new challenges, especially around data contracts with other domains and that that kind of test driven development. But that you're you're getting them up to you know a uh, you know kind of thinking about. You know, mathematics or something. You're you're getting them up to at least understanding multiplication and division, and maybe some basic algebra. And then you know, down the road, it might be that they have to learn geometry and calculus, and you know, uh, linear algebra and all that fun stuff. But to start, you know. People, a lot of these developers, not to to throw them under the bus, but they just know addition and subtraction, right? Or they know like very little about what this means. And so if you can find that use case within the domain, one, the domain is bought in, but two, that you can get them to a capability level before then trying to say, you now have to share all your data externally. And I think that's where a lot of people rush. I think a lot of people are trying to um, move forward as if it were the entire organization at the start. And and that's where people really get, get a lot of challenges. So is that what you're seeing? Is that why, you know, things are working well thus far is because you're not expecting too much and you're helping them, but you're also like these people, <laughs> they understand at least the consumer far better than if it were some exactly. domain that they steps. don't understand. You know, well. We
1: really don't want to rush on this. And we know that this project it will be a long-term project because it's a lot of domains that we'll need to bring together. And of course there are going to be crossover products that we need to take care of like this uh, sales dashboard that contains uh, data from leads, for example, when they, when we migrate the domain leads, they are going to, you know, be together at some point. And then we will have this challenge that you mentioned that we need the contract in between the two domains and see how it will work. But I think that we create already since the very beginning this mentality that, okay, let's do the data product canvas. Let's fill it out. Let's make sure all the data products are super well documented. Let's make sure that we have the contract in place. They themselves will can come to the other domain team and even help them and and give them a hand where they are having issues, you know, like, okay, look, I already passed through this. Um, we found out now that the best way to do it, or maybe it's faster if we do it like this and this and that. So the idea is to share, to, to have this, uh, sharing, you know, culture in the company, this sharing knowledge, this, uh, kind of, uh, camaraderie, you know, so we can all work together. And of course, as a data platform team, my team will be always you know, available to walk them through. And we're going to take the second domain as well from the hand and then cross over the products that we need to cross over. But little by little, we really don't want to rush this because we wanted to succeed because I also have read and I have seen a lot of companies where this, the data mesh is not a data mesh anymore. And it's just a pseudo something <laughs> that uh, attempt of a data mesh or they just drop it and go back to whatever it was. So, also, I think um, we adapted to our own ways of working in our company. And, I mean, you cannot actually go by the book with these uh, data mesh topics, actually. You, you shouldn't actually just go through the book and just try to implement it like that because it's not going to be the same for uh for all the organizations. And, for sure, I will say you cannot start all, all at once, as you said, because that's chaos. I mean, you don't have time to onboard every single people. And then also you don't have time to sell the idea in the best way. You first have to show the idea, make it shiny, people will buy it by itself. So that's that's pretty much what we're trying to do.
0: And when you're talking to the domains, are are you even using the phrase data mesh? You know, I have my unicorn farts theory, which I don't know uh, if you've listened, but like a lot of people get into a lot of trouble by talking to a business person about we're doing data mesh as if data mesh is the solution versus like data mesh is our framework for it, right? Of, hey, we're going to work with you so you can actually understand how to own your data. We're going to work with you to make sure that what you're consuming is quality. And we're going to work to make sure that you can integrate with your data with everybody else, but we're going to make it so that, you know, um, you're not having to, we're not going to create a box, you know, a standard schema that everybody has to adhere to or anything like that. Um, because a lot of people are having challenges when they say we're doing data mesh and then the business person goes, okay, what's data mesh? And then they go, okay, the four principles or the four pillars of data mesh are, and it just leads to a confusing conversation versus like, what are we trying to achieve and why? So, like, how have you had that conversation? Or was that conversation kind of done before you would come in? Or like what what like how what have you found that's worked there? Um,
1: I create I wish I could show you, but I actually created a meter board uh, name from data mesh to data mesh. And people are, oh, yeah, from Data mess, yes, that's what we have right now. So they are interesting, you know, uh, in learning more about it. And I try to explain, and also the director that goes in kind of sell the idea with the uh, directors of software engineering, um, talking more about, you know, what is a business owner, what is a technical data owner, what are the responsibilities, you know, how it works, what we can bring them to the table, how the domains work, but in a very you know simplified way, and what will be you know like what I told you from the data canvas to the contract, to the CICD part, to the data product, and then versioning of products, for example, but very simplified. And then for them not to get very confused, we talk about the next steps like, okay, we are now finalizing all these cloud uh, governance and access, ma- access management that will give you more freedom and liberty so you don't have to come to us to give you access or the data catalog or you know you kind of uh, sell the good things that will happen based on this framework so we try not to come with these four principles or very theoretical things about the data mesh but more with the solutions we are bringing to the table to the problems that they already have so we exemplify by saying, okay, now you're having this problem with this data and it's because of this and this and that. So with this framework, we will be able to solve these issues and then make sure that your next uh, dashboard looks and works as expected for the executive level, for example.
0: So it it sounds like essentially you're breaking it down to what does this mean for you and what are the next steps? But like, it has been a challenge where a lot it sounds like you're you're in a better spot but a lot of people the second they bring up data mesh it creates a 30 minute conversation and people a lot of this information doesn't stick like if somebody's not a data person and you start trying to tell them about like okay and this is what a data contract is and it's like okay so like i sign a contract or you know this thing can't evolve or cuz like i i kind of hate the phrase data contract because at least in the US, the idea of a contract is not that you're really renegotiating it nearly as often as you probably would if it were a data sharing agreement or things like that. But it does make it that it's like, you can't break this for the sake of breaking it. So that's great. But um, yeah, so I I guess the, the question that I'm asking here is like, when you were talking about all of that stuff, is there any way that you would boil it down for, for people as to here's what worked well? Was it like summing up what it meant for them or was it defining, kind of you talk about defining the ownership and and things like that? Is it what's going to change for them in the positive, but also like what's going to change in their work life or what, what would you say has worked well from that of like just making it very open and saying, hey, this is going to be more work, but we're going to work with you or like just trying to figure out what others could take from your, your early journey thus far?
1: Yeah, for example, um, we are implementing metrics uh, definitions. Uh, so it, they, with testing uh, from the business side, because usually, oh, yes, we can do a validations. this kind of technical topics, right? But we need some, business validations as well to make sure we have the right thing. So, for example, we implemented this uh, metrics library um, where we have uh, them to define, you know, the business name and these kind of things. It took me some time. I have to go actually uh, a stakeholder by a stakeholder pre- preaching the idea of these topics, for example, that is going to be better if we do, if we do uh, all this documentation for the data governance and also for the testing, Uh, But, you know, once they see the first use case having an impact or having an effect on what they're doing, they get motivated. So right now, for example, I'm doing another project, sorry, where we have to define, I don't know, um, around 50 something metrics. Um, And then because now they need to think more why they need those metrics and what tests they can have, it was reduced to 30. So imagine how good it is for us to focus on what really matters with the test cases we need Um, by uh, just um, taking your time, you know, taking the time to sit with the person and explain the benefits. And yeah, people might not agree at the beginning. They might be a little, you know, reluctant to try it out. But if there's, if if of 10 stakeholders, at least one is able to try to bring the other ones on board, Is not going to be that hard anymore. You just need one person to buy your idea. And that's what we're doing,
0: basically. So one question that we talked about in in the pre-call that I think you just hit on uh, really well there is this collaborative negotiation, right? Instead of I've got requirements and I'm just going to give you your requirements and you have to uh, adhere to them. So you just talked about 50 uh, metrics down to 30. So let's talk about um, are data consumers ready to actually have these conversations? Because data consumers are used to making an ask and then somebody goes away and something gets brought back to them. And it's not what they wanted <laughs> most of the time because they didn't really know what they wanted. So like, how are you you uh, they didn't know what they wanted the the data uh, the data team couldn't really understand exactly what was going on because they were just kind of requirement taking instead of the conversation are you finding that the the data consumers are ready to have those conversations ready to be hey you're you're not just asking me to go do the thing we need to be in line about, what you just asked means you know the these requirements 2 5 and 12 are going to add an extra 2 months and 10x the cost are 2 5 and 12 really necessary like or, or can we relax them by 80% and you still get most of what you want or or you get the the big amount of the value are you finding that people are actually ready do they understand what is necessary to drive the, the value?
1: I can tell you that actually with these stakeholders that I've been working in after this reduction of metrics, um, putting in this metrics library, for example, the question, what is the business value and what brings these to the table? What kind of metrics you want? Uh, what kind of, uh, yeah, what kind of things or calculations you want to bring? Uh had made uh, basically wonders because then they really think about it and they are so willing now to do these kind of things, even to provide test cases. They were very reluctant at the beginning. They were like, oh yeah, you know, it's more work. I have to go and maybe do some calculations and bring it to you and then you can implement this in DVT or whatever. But after they actually see that how their data is improving, because, uh, you know, we do um, some spot checking between the old system and the new system and you see the differences and you saw that the, uh, that the old system has so many issues and now it looks so well, they get more and more interested. now, for example, the stakeholders are joining the technical calls just to help testing in these calls, which is something that will never happen in the past. But they got so on board that they are willing to do this and even they request me like, hey, we can you set up a call between me and, and data engineer so we can discuss about these, for example, collective billings, which is a complicated topic, and then uh, I can explain them so they can implement it in the correct way. So they are taking this responsibility now of bringing uh, the right business definition so we can implement the right thing because, I mean, I can tell you, I want to have this uh, formula implemented and then... I mean, you implement whatever you understood, but usually, as you said, it's not what they really wanted. So now we're making sure we are in sync. I thought it will be harder, to be honest, Scott. I, I thought it will be way harder. And I'm super surprised and super happy that at least these people is, is now so into um, really collaborate and uh, bring uh, value to this implementation. And now they understand the value of having only the metrics they need and what they can do and what uh, they can do with this data and how it enables them to do whatever they need with better numbers.
0: Are you starting to engage potential other consumers right now? Because I think a lot of what you're talking about is going into a domain and saying, Hey, like, we're going to, we're going to work with you and it's going to be positive to you. But like, what what a lot of people are seeing the feedback is is why should I do work for other people um and and like as well with that what are you seeing as the additional load on the team maybe at the start and and as that goes and and is is it just an incremental work or is it that this is new work and that you're pulling off some of the other work that they would have to do so that you know it's not just like, hey, you, you were doing, here was 100% of your sprint. Your next sprint is now at 120% load, right? Like, how are you having that conversation about the, the kind of long-term, or are you having that yet? Or are you just kind of, again, showing the domain, hey, we're going to get you, so you could be highly valuable in your silo, and then we'll work with you to, to make sure that you don't get stuck in your silo. But like... Sorry. Yeah. Just how are you balancing all of that?
1: Uh, we have clearly a, uh, a roadmap about data mesh and all the implementation that we have to do and all the steps we need to achieve. And for example, we have prioritization meetings every Monday to make sure, you know, that we are working in the topics that it really matter at the moment or the one that has the most priority. And for the domain teams, um, since these teams are getting created, because uh, one recently joined two weeks ago, and there will be someone else joining um, at the beginning of November, we have to onboard them as well, right? But we we um, people is aware that the next domain is sales, so they know that that this is coming to them as well. So, of course, people is aware the director have had already some talks um, with the director of sales and the software engineer managers and all these people to start already, you know, uh, planting the seed and getting the, the the soil ready for when we come with the big thing, because that one is going to be a big domain. And as I said, this domain kind of, uh, you know, gets mixed up in between <laughs> some other domains. So that, that one is going to be a challenge, I think. Because we need to think more about how we're going to do this uh, uh, data contract thing in between them, uh, how we're going to uh, mix up and match the teams, how they're going to communicate and talk with the product managers and these kind of things. Um, but I guess uh, we will cross that bridge whenever it comes. Right? I mean, we cannot really, we cannot predict what will be there and how the people will react. So we rather just go little by little onboarding people, selling the idea. And by the end of this month, we are uh, having a demo for our infrastructure uh, for the first time um, with all these uh, domain leads. And then, um, you know, people will be able to see what we have done and of course hopefully this is going also to uh, bring more consumers and more people interested from other business units because we also have not only automotive which we are working now but we have real estate and we have general marketplaces and among others so we have to think you know in, in all these other domains and that's why i told you this is a maybe two years project because it's a huge uh, company and we really need to onboard all of them on this but if we start too fast, then this is going to go you know, away or it's going to fade away and nothing is going to happen. So if we start small, I think we have better chances that this is going to su- succeed in the long term.
0: And I think a, a good place to kind of look at, at wrapping up is a little bit around the, you are working on building that initial platform. What are the capabilities that you think Like, what are you building into that that you think are most important to have early on? Is it, okay, we need to have, um, you know, you talked about PubSub or you talked about uh, the the catalog or you talked about, you know, these other aspects. Is it kind of matching people's ways of working? Is it like clear definitions around things? A lot of the through lines through the entire conversation has been, uh, or one thing that I think has been underneath this all is you keep talking about having conversations, and way too many people in data mesh look to automate away the conversations. And so you don't have the high context exchange. You talked about weekly prioritization meetings. You talk about these meetings that you're involved in. And a lot of people in data are like, I got into data so I didn't have to meet with people. <laughs> I got into data, right? <laughs> uh, my, my dad was a, a radiologist. And and uh, one of the jokes around radiology is that um, they wanted to be a doctor, but they didn't want to meet with patients. They didn't want to deal with people. So they just deal with the images and things. So like, I guess what are the things that you're finding where, as you're you're bringing people on more and more, that you're finding are necessary around the um, the uh, the platform. Like, what do you think that you like? Did you think that you would have to add way more technical aspects to it early, or like, just what are you kind of learning from the early days of building that platform? Yeah, at
1: the beginning we were thinking more in the use cases and then um, th- I think that um, make us think a lot you know and which one we need to choose and what was the best. And I think that part is the most important because the architecture come later when, when, when we hired the architect he joined in August, he was able to put everything together like this you know super quickly. But we already had a sketch of what we, which uh, domain or what we would like to do with the data mesh. We already had some kind of a draft idea. Very blurry, but it was there. <laughs> and uh, then basically we needed to identify the key components of the different platforms. Like if we're going to use Dataplex, if we're going to go everything, you know, like into GCP kind of thing or we're going to use some other external uh, things. So, for example, we use Atlan instead of the, the Google Data Catalog or DBT instead of Data Form and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, then we had to identify the key components for the data products uh, involved in this first use case. So, for example, now we're still with one data product identifying how it, you know, uh, works with the old platform because that one will be like a shared uh, dashboard between the old things and the new things. So mm-hmm. you really have to do a lot of planning on how this is going to impact the current products uh, because as I said, leaks is too small and it's not enough to have just one product out of it. So you have to count everything that is already on the table and integrate it through it. And of course, I mean, you have to go through all the typical workflows for uh, all these data producers and data consumers and all this replatform information and discuss variations or add ons that we will need on the architecture for other domains because maybe not all of them will work the same. This one is with pops, pops up, but then we might uh, onboard another one that is still on CDC and we still have to do this kind of things. So we already have a draft a data contract for CDC as well, for example, and how we're going to test that and how we're going to make it happen. So we really, you really, as you said, uh, uh, people may be so afraid to have these conversations. And there might be uncomfortable, but I go to my architect and I tell him, have you thinking this? Have you thinking this scenario and the other one or this or that? Uh, And sometimes it it might be uncomfortable, but then we get into an agreement and then we know that we have to do A, B or C uh, to make things happen, you know, for the long term. Because we are preparing this for the long term and not only for one domain, but we want to be covered for the next steps.
0: Is there anything, um, this is a tough question, so I, I recognize that, but is there anything that you would recommend for people that are thinking about that long term, about not getting overly tied? You know, you said start from the use cases, but it sounded like you were saying the capabilities to achieve use case A or B or C, but not that we're going to tie our platform to, you know, to the leads you know, aspect that our platform is built only to to fit the the leads because that's purpose built instead of general use, general purpose. So how are you thinking about that? Or is there any advice that you'd give to people as to how do they think about not <laughs> kind of tying their platform to serving a specific use case? Is there anything that you've learned that you think would be of, of value to people looking at that to make sure they don't do that?
1: Um, have a product, a data product owner <laughs> like me to, ha- to ask these uncomfortable uh, questions and dig deeper um, with the different stakeholders and different data producers and consumers with different uh, product managers, because this makes the difference. I think that a lot of people from what I have seen um, on the Internet focus the data mesh only in the technical part, but they forget that there is a product part of it where you can actually, uh, you know, create more value uh, and also sell the idea of the of the mesh itself, um, as well as getting information on what's coming next. You need always a person who create a roadmap on this, not only technical, but also in the product perspective, so they can uh, think big. Like now, as I said, I'm not thinking just in streaming. I'm thinking also in CDC and, and, and also how we're going to connect with the other marketplace that is running in AWS with a snowflake and is not running in our own platform. So we have to think already in advance. They might be coming to us maybe way later. Maybe they will never come. We don't know, but we have to be prepared because we don't want to waste time again in in re- infrastructure ourselves again and try to make things happen. Um, We better think big now, and then later we'll see.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, uh, this has been, I think, a a great conversation. I think it'll be very helpful for a lot of folks. But is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to or any way you'd want to kind of wrap up the episode?
1: No, I I think we cover everything. But my only advice Mm -hmm. is to don't be afraid of the data mesh. It's kind of a huge topic, and it's a buzzword as well right now. If you're gonna, if you wanna try it out, go for it. But don't rush it. Take it slow. Get to know. Study a little bit. Listen to your postcards. Read, uh, read a little bit in in towards data science or whatever you want medium, and understand the different use cases that you can see that are implemented. There are not many, but at least we'll give you a draft of how you can start sketching your own platform. And of course, it's important to adjust it to your own company because each company, each organization is different. So that's the only advice I can give.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, not getting it perfect up front, kind of what you were talking about earlier of don't don't cross that bridge until you come to it. I think that's a really important aspect as well. So, well, Amy, this has been uh, very helpful. I'm sure there will be a, a lot of folks that would like to follow up with you. Uh, where's the best place for them to follow up? What, what would you like them specifically following up about?
1: Yeah, you can always uh, follow me on LinkedIn and we can have a nice conversation about uh, data mesh, data contracts and you know data product management as well. And um, looking forward to connect with as much people who is going through these journeys. Always interesting to get to know more and see how we can improve in our own journey.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again so much for your time today. And thank you as well, everyone out there, for listening. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Amy Regada, who's the Senior Director and Analytics Product Manager at Swiss Marketplace Group or SMG. You can find a link to her LinkedIn in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully, that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest, you know, what What are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.